Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And now we're in business. I mean, if you're the Giants and you're a Giants fan, you're in business right now. Because, you know, they, they won three straight prior to this week, but that was a win. Seattle, a good team, an undisputed, indisputably good, not good, great quarterback. And they shut him down. Like the defense, I was wishy-washy on the defense. I'm not going to lie. The Giants defense had played well, but they hadn't played that top quarterback really, I mean, since Tom Brady, who's probably not a top quarterback anymore, but you want to count him? He was, he's the best they faced in a long time. Ben Roethlisberger back in week one, and that was him coming first game back off, off major injury. But no, you do it against Russell Wilson in Seattle. And now the, the blood's flowing. I could feel the Giants fans. Their blood's flowing. They're flexing. They're feeling themselves. They're looking in the mirror. They're like, damn, that guy's good looking. And they're looking at themselves for the first time in a damn long time. Because that was a really, really good win against the Seahawks, 17 to 12. I was thinking about it, and I even mentioned to my good buddy Dave Rothenberg. You guys know him well. 97.5 ESPN New York. Uh, and we said after the game, we texted back and forth real quick, best win since, I guess, that 2016, probably the second Cowboys game. They won 10-7, to I believe it was. And Odell took a long one to the house. 2016, I'm sorry. 2016 season was good ever since then. It had been bad. I mean, this is that first really good win in a long time. Against a good team. Remember, that Cowboys were really good that year. The Cowboys actually won the division. Giants won 11-5 and five and didn't even come close to winning the division that year, pretty much. And Dallas won the division. They went 12-4 and four or 13-3, and three, whatever it was. They were really good that year. And that was a good win. A good win. But this was a great win. Beating a good Seahawks team. Really good team. That is now 8-4. and four. The Giants are up to 7-5. and five. Russell Wilson. Playing at the top of his game this year. Shut him down. And we'll start with the good from this, this victory because you got to start there. I give so much credit to this coaching staff. I mean, the Giants are starting. Think about this for a second. Jabal Sheard off the scrap heap. Isaac Yadam essentially off the scrap heap too. Denver just, they weren't, they would just couldn't get wait to get rid of him this summer. Tay Crowder, who's Mr. Irrelevant. Looks like he's a good side, could be a contributor. I mean, he's never going to be a high-end starter in the league, I don't believe. Darnay Holmes, a rookie slot corner guy, starting. Struggled this year. I know he had an interception that game. Been playing better lately, but he has he's not a high-end player at this point of his career. Teams pick on him, for the most part. So those are four guys, and they're basically starting 11 that are, let's say, questionable. Definitely not the strengths of the defense. And they're able to scheme up around these guys and throwing in Carter Coughlin, another seventh-round pick, and Cam Brown, a sixth-round pick, and, you know, Julian Love, who basically got benched and buried earlier this year. He's playing a lot the other day. And the Giants, Patrick Graham and Joe Judge, I mean, they're scheming up a beauty. Russell Wilson, he's, like, seeing ghosts out there. He, he's seeing pressure that's not even there. They're getting pressure when, he, when uh, he does have to hold on to the ball. I mean... Just a tremendous job by that defense overall and by Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. And Leonard Williams, two and a half sacks, just played a, a hell of a game. Five, I think it was five pressures 
two and a half sacks. I mean, come on. He's playing, taking his game to the next level, which is great. And I, will, I know everyone's like, oh, you, you said you shouldn't have traded for him. I'll get to that a little bit later. Never about Leonard Williams, the player. It's more about the concept of the trade. We always knew he was a good player. Now he's playing at an even higher level, in part because he's playing better, which give him credit, give the coaches credit, give the scheme credit. His pressure percentage is actually down, which is kind of strange, but he's making the most of his opportunities. His secondary behind him is better, and he even admitted that after the game. Got to give credit to the secondary for helping him get those two and a half sacks because there was a bunch of them where they had to hold the ball. One and a half of them is because, you know, the, he, the quarterback wasn't able to get the ball out to his first read. So it all goes together. But Leonard Williams, credit to him, playing dynamite. Probably the best he's ever played. And just in time, by the way, for that big payday that's coming up. And then I mentioned the secondary. Jabril Peppers playing so much better. And I think I mentioned it here last week, but uh, Patrick uh, Graham was talking about it, I think, about how Peppers is a guy who's all energy. He's always moving. He's always going. But the thing here, as he's been able to take his game to the next level, is being able to slow it down a little bit, read and react. He's this great athlete. He's never been a great football player. But he's playing the most consistent, extended stretch of his career playing well. Logan Ryan has just made a world of difference for this defense. A world of difference. And those guys I mentioned before, the Isaac Adams of the world, Jabal Sheard, Darnay Holmes, Trey, Tay Crowder. You know, they're playing pretty well. They're doing their part. They played, they played well the other day. I give them credit. All of them have had their struggles this year. All those guys. But they played really well on Sunday in Seattle. And the result is we got this great Giants victory. Really. That was a great win for that team. That's their signature win in Joe Judge's first season. That's their, first, that's their signature win for the first time in years. I mean, maybe, I think they beat Dallas twice in 2016. The opener, too, is the Victor Cruz coming back. You know, like after missing two years, doing the salsa and the game-winning touchdown. Uh, there was a game against Baltimore where Odell went for like almost 200 yards. I mean, this win is their best win since some of those. I mean, pick, pick whichever one you like best that season. But it's been a while since they had those kind of wins. And Wayne Gallman, still lighting it up. Ton of credit to Wayne Gallman. And that offensive line, which is gelling. And again, you got to give credit to this coaching staff. They're scheming up and being successful. successful. Still think about this for a second. They're starting two rookies. And yes, they both, they, the whole line played well the other day in Seattle. But in general, rookies have their ups and downs. So they're starting a guard in Shane Lemieux right now, right? A right guard. And they're starting Andrew Thomas at left tackle. So two rookies. A guy who's a career journeyman swing, maybe not a journeyman, but career swing tackle at right tackle. Not a great player either, Ken Fleming. A first-year center in Nick Gates and a Kevin Zeitler, who's probably the only one out of the five that's an above-average player at their position. If you line up like all 32 teams in each player at each position, like Kevin Zeitler's probably the only one right now. Maybe maybe Nick Gates has worked his way into that category. Who's in the top half of the, of like, you know, his position. But yet, look at them run the ball. What, 145-plus yards in, like, four to last five games? Wayne Gallman just becoming a beast workhorse? And tell me if it's cheap or not. But I, I mean, I have him on my fantasy team. Is it cheap that I picked him up? Is that is that a, is that a illegit move? Eh, you know, I'm trying to win like everybody else. I actually picked up Deion Lewis first. That didn't work out. I went over to Wayne Gallman. Even the Giants didn't think Wayne Gallman was that good. We talked about this. They buried him, too. But another big game from Wayne Gallman. And Cole McCoy did his job, did enough, didn't turn it over, uh, uh, didn't make enough negative plays. He turned it over once, but didn't make enough negative plays 
to hurt the team too much. Made enough plays to win. Made a couple throws late to get them first downs, get that clock ticking. These are key plays. So, good team effort, great win. The bad was the special teams again, struggling. Two false starts on the punt team. A block punt. Think about how huge that block punt was for a second, right? The Giants are down 3 nothing. Block punt. Easily could have been a touchdown. First guy, Seattle, doesn't come up with it. Next guy, instead of knocking it back towards the end zone, tries to tries to get it right near the end line. His arm is out of bounds. Okay, so instead of 10 nothing at halftime, now it's only 5 nothing. That was huge. Think about it in the end. Huge, huge, huge. So the Giants got to fix that special teams. Terrible day again. Passing game in general, big plays out of the passing game, pretty much non-existent. They finished with 110 yards passing. Uh, this is a problem. At some point, it's going to come back and bite them. If they're not able to start making enough big plays in the passing game and have it equate to points, right? The Giants just beat Seattle, scored 17 points. Beat uh, Cincinnati, scored 19 points. In this league, you got to score some points. I think Daniel Jones has it in him at some point. I expect him to be back this week, barring a setback. That's what I was told by a source. So good chance on Daniel Jones. We're taping this on Wednesday night. The real test comes Thursday and Friday. Doesn't have a setback and kind of let it loose, not aggravate that hamstring. We know how tough those could be sometimes. Now, the WTF is about the WFT. I mean, come on. Giants are in great shape. They win on Sunday. Everything is looking great. You're like, okay, this division is basically ours. If you're a Giant fan or the Giants, they're in, like, ridiculously good position. The, the Washington football team, they go out and lose as expected to the Steelers. And the Giants are essentially two games out in front. The division's all but over. But no, Washington has to go out and beat Pittsburgh. Come on. Come on. Come on, WFT. You couldn't, you couldn't let Giant fans keep that unbridled joy of feeling like, we got this division. We're going to be in the playoffs. Daniel Jones gets some playoff experience. Joe Judge in his first season. I mean, it would have been, been close to locked up. Eagles lost. They stink. Cowboys end up losing. They stink. But no, the WFT, they had to spoil. Come on, guys. Giants fans need a little good in their life. It's been a rough few years. Give them a break. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's bring back an old friend. Knows the Giants very well. Good friend of mine, Dan Graziano. Graziano now big time. You know, he, he's uh, a Sunday countdown kind of guy. He, he's on Get Up in the Morning. You catch him all over our ESPN program. Big big time, Dan. Big time. Big time, man. You know it. It's uh, It's been been fun but no i'm not big time i'm just hacking away like the rest of us no come on they don't send just anybody to go cover giant seahawks when it turns into a big game that was weird yeah and we're sitting there at halftime it's five nothing and i'm like jesus game is awful yeah and then all of a sudden it becomes one of the big stories of the day i mean that was like out of nowhere that your giants just muscle up so yeah it was pretty neat all right so 
Give me your impressions because you, you, you texted me afterwards. You're like, wow, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, it was. What, what was it about that win for you when you saw them earlier in the year? What game was it? I forget. Was oh, Washington? San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. The, 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 that was their worst one. Their worst one, right. Yeah. You, have the, you have both was, ends of the spectrum, the high point and the yeah. low point. Yes. What, what, is the, what stands out to you as being the biggest difference? I mean, every, I mean, they lost by 28 to, to 49er backups <laughs> that day, right? Like it was, you know, so now they go to Seattle and they hold the Seahawks to 12. I think it's the defense. I think it's got to be the defense, right? I mean, the, the run game looked great. You know, Cole McCoy didn't mess anything up. But the, to me, the defense is the standout unit right now because, you know, they're just, I mean, not a lot of stars. I mean, I know Leonard Williams was a high pick, but. You know, not, not a lot of big names, but they're playing together very well. They're buying in. I just think, I mean, the, the you know, I don't think you're probably going to get there with Joe Judge, but, you know, because the record won't be, even if they win the division, the record won't be great. But, I mean, you talk about coach of the year performances, like you've seen this team grow throughout the year and you see what they're doing in terms of responding to to the consistent messaging from the coaching staff. And I just think it's, it's, it's very impressive. And when you put people in positions of leadership that, that have an idea, you know, how to operate, how to articulate a vision, how to, to, to focus it and keep it simple and digestible. And, and, and you start to see these results. I think that's, um, I think that's very, very satisfying. If you're the giants organization, if you're a giants fan. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I mean, <laughs> last time we talked, we were talking about Dave Gettleman's future. Yeah. It's funny how much that changes. How much do you think that has solidified now? I mean, do you, do you still think that there's any way or, or that they end up going in that direction or would it have to be like a complete collapse or has he sort of, okay, look at, look at, look at some of the moves he's made here to re- help rebuild that defense. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Daniel Jones, I mean, he's still, he's, he's his guy, right? I think at, at one and seven, we were thinking, well, that's, there's no chance, right? And Saquon's right. not coming back and, you know, what's going to do? But now you're right. I mean, you can, you can look at it and say, well, Leonard Williams trade. I mean, like, what, what, he's really good. Um, so, I, I mean, tell me how the next four games go. I mean, I, I, I was talking to Joe Judge, you know, before and after that game. And, and the, the idea is, look, a quarter of the season still to play, right? I mean, as exciting as it is to be this close to the end and be in first place, you know, 25% of your season still to play. And as you know, right. total collapse, you know, are, could this team lose all four games? Of course it could. I mean, it's not, this isn't, we're not, it's not the Kansas city chiefs here. Like this is, they're, they're much better and they're improved and it's fun. But if it went South again, I don't think it would totally shock anyone. So um, yeah. How's, how's the rest of the season go? How does it end up? Do you get to a point where you evaluate and say, Hey, we're, we're a nine and seven division champ that ended the season on an eight game winning streak because, and you look at this roster, it's much better than maybe we thought it was and maybe he stays, but um, yeah, I don't know. Fascinating that it's even a question at this point. Man, they beat Seattle. You talked to Joe judge before and after you just said, what is it to you that would, that stands out and you think is the biggest contributor to his success early in his Giants tenure? So I was asking uh, when I was talking, doing the prep work for the game, I had Blake Martinez on the phone last week and he said something about, you know, he's never been around a coach that's more devoted to helping his players get better each and every day. And so it sounds like a cliche. So I said, well, what's an example? And he said, so in training camp, uh, he would pick 10 guys every day, give or take, and he would focus on here's what you're, here's something you're doing wrong or, or here's something you need to get better at and he said here's how you uh, here's how you executed this play in individual drills 
and, and they'd show the tape. They'd say, here's how you executed this exact same assignment in seven on sevens. And they'd show the tape. And here's how you executed that exact same assignment in team drills. Show the tape. So, so Blake says, so what you now know is not only what you're doing wrong, but where exactly you have to put in the work to fix it. So like I, I'm doing it fine in, in individuals and in team, but in seven on seven, my technique is slipping. So now I know when I practice today, I have to focus in seven on seven on making sure I'm, I'm doing. So to me, I thought that was fascinating. I, I'm, I'm always fascinated yeah, by coaching fascinated techniques by in the first place. But I, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a guy that came into this job knowing how he wanted to do it. This, this guy spent some time thinking about when I'm a coach, these, and I'm sure he's using similar techniques when he was coaching special teams in New England and all that. But um, I, I thought that was outstanding. And I think, you know, I remember back, back when Chip Kelly was coaching the Eagles, talking to him one time and about like the little, the little sayings he would come up with that would resonate that, you know, uh, try to get his point across. And he, right. he said, we can draw up anything we want in a coach's meeting, but if, it, if it's not something that players will remember, if it's not something that will stick with them, it's useless. So you have a, not only the ability to teach, but the ability to make sure that, the, that what you teach takes root because you've got it focused and you, you've told the guy, look, you want to get better. Here's exactly what you need to do. For this 10 minutes of practice today, you need to be better than you were yesterday and watch yeah. what happens. And, well, and they're, I mean, it looks like it's working. Yeah, I, I know Chip Kelly and I know uh, Joe Judge. I think the biggest difference there is one is way more of a people's person. Like J- yeah, Joe Judge. Look, is, I mean, this is back when yeah. this is back when Kelly was hot, right? He, yeah. You know, his first year in Philly, things were looking good. Obviously, at one point, he knew something about coaching and probably still does. But that was just, uh, just you know, like I said, stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, but look, you got to give these guys a lot of credit, though. I mean, that defense is playing one, is one of the best units in the league. They're starting Jabal Sheard, Isaac Yadam. Tate Crowder, Darnay Holmes. I mean, guys who are rookies or young guys or, you know, scrappy yeah. veterans. I mean. Plucked off the street. Yeah, absolutely. Any but buzz. They've got them buying in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they got them playing at a pretty high level. Even the, these guys, I mean, the jury's out, but I would be stunned if any of them are like anything more than, you know, bit players or occasional yeah. starters. Like those aren't guys that are going to be, you know, development the pro ball players in my opinion but we'll, i guess we'll see which makes me comes gets us to the point of how much buzz do you hear around the league about patrick graham at this point now considering the job yeah, that I he think, has done i think he's a guy people are going to want to talk to like is he ready for the opportunity to go be a head coach at this point i think probably not yeah, it seems like a big uh, jump does, to me yeah it does and does he want to be at this point like is it does he feel like he has more developing to do but I think he's a guy people are going to want to talk to. I think the Giants will hear from teams about him in terms of, hey, you know, we want to bring him in for the interview. Maybe, you know, because, see, to me, I've always thought, like, if I'm hiring a head coach, I would interview, like, 100 guys. Like, I would want to meet everybody because, my ideally, I'm not going to be doing this for another 10 years, right? Right. So I, 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 would, I would cast as wide a net as possible. So if anybody is out there doing a good job, I would want the opportunity to pick their brain, find out what makes them tick. And even if I don't hire them, they're now on my list of potential guys to target in the future, maybe as a head coach, maybe as a defensive coordinator, if the guy's looking for work down the road. So I think he's a guy you'll, you'll hear his name. They, they may get calls on him for interviews uh, and, and he may go on some, I don't know the man, maybe, uh, maybe he wants to, maybe he doesn't, but um, right. he's definitely someone whose name is, is getting brought up because of the way that defense is performing. And it's interesting because you're talking about a guy who at this point has spent two years as a coordinator, right? But mm-hmm. on two different teams. Yes. And last year, 
it didn't go great in Miami. Now yeah. there was a lot of reasons for it, but you hear you heard a lot of things like maybe he was or wasn't calling plays at the end. But it, it was definitely rocky. So to have that rise at this point is is just uh, seems pretty impressive yeah. to me. No doubt. And I mean, look, I, I don't. Yeah, we don't know what the situation was in Miami, and obviously Brian Flores has a big hand in the defense there. Right. But I know that I know that Joe Judge was high on. Patrick Graham and, and, you know, worked hard to make sure and get him. I'm sure that he doesn't like the idea of people calling around wanting to interview him. I think he wants to keep him. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, Matt Patricia who worked with Patrick Graham in new England uh, has told me more than once that Patrick Graham will be a head coach uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, he's, he's well regarded by the people that he's worked with and uh, you know, we'll see. I, I would say, don't be surprised if you hear his name come up as somebody who there people are asking permission to interview. But I, I also don't think at this point, this particular cycle, you're looking at a guy who's going to be a, a finalist for a lot of right. these jobs. Never know, but that's just my read. Well, ultimately, you have success. This is the price of success, you could say. No doubt. Mm. So I'm curious what you think. Uh, how close, in your opinion, do you think Daniel Jones came to playing on Sunday? And based off that, let's gauge his chances of being ready for this week against Arizona. The fact that they brought him to Seattle indicates that he he had had at least a shot. Yeah, that's the Um, beginning clue. Like, if he was really seriously hurt, he wouldn't be flying to Seattle. But I know they liked what what they saw from him in practice on, was it Friday that he did work? Was it Thursday or Thursday? Okay. And, um and they were encouraged by that. And I think, you know, they brought him out there and they toyed with the idea of having him active, maybe even as the number two guy, but ultimately decided not to do that. But I think, yeah, I think the fact that he was able to get work in last week, that that work encouraged them enough to put him on the plane and that it sounds like the plan is to work in this week. I think there's, I think there's reason for optimism. Now, could he get out there and the thing acts up and it's tight and they don't want to risk it. That's entirely possible. But you know, if that didn't happen last week, right? <laughs> like if there were no setbacks or, or you know, concerns raised, then why would it happen this week? So I, I think it sounds to me like there's a decent shot he plays this week. Obviously, we'll see how the rest of the practice week goes. Yeah. No, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I, that's perfect logic to me. It just seems yeah, no, like. I follow you on Twitter. I see. I know what you. I know, <laughs> it just I know seems like he's trending in that direction. Like all signs mm-hmm. are really just pointing that way. So. Uh, but you, like you said, you never know with the hamstring injury. He could go take one step and it tighten yes. up right away. I mean, if you ever had, and then a hamstring, that's the fear, right? Because if if you, you you take the wrong step and then it aggravates, now now you're talking about multiple weeks when maybe you didn't have to. So yeah, I think that they'll be careful, but they seem to be. I don't know. They seem to be pretty smart. Four weeks to go. They yeah. have tough schedule. Tough, probably probably tougher than Washington. I I think. I mean, at least in my opinion, we they have. Well, there's one. Yeah. They have the one game, you know, Dallas, right? Dallas, right. The, the, considered the soft game. Washington has San Francisco's a mediocre game, right? And then yeah, what do they have? Carolina, tough. another they... mediocre game, and then uh, who's their other one? Philly. The, they have Philly, right? They so have they Philly. have they have yeah, right. So that Carolina one because the Giants are playing what the Browns, the Browns. Or, that's the, that's now a prime time uh, game. The, the Ravens. Yeah, so that's that's tough. Yeah, I would say tough, right? Like I would say three three tough looking games versus two for well, Arizona's struggling. Yeah, they struggling. are. Yeah, they are. I mean, look, it, they had a plan for Russell Wilson. 
uh, and it worked. They're going to have to have a plan for Kyler Murray. It can't be the same plan, um, but yeah, maybe there's some similarities. Maybe you, maybe you treat DeAndre Hopkins the same way you treated DK Metcalf, and you play everybody deep, and you, you just take away the explosive play. But I'm not sure that's necessarily going to work against as dynamic a runner as Kyler. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, they don't throw the ball Patrick as deep Cram. as much as people think either. Right. I don't think Arizona. Like that's not the Kingsbury offense. So, so I'm sure they're working on it, but you know, Arizona said they've, they've got enough to make you worry for sure. And, um, you know, we'll see. And that Browns team is playing well. Obviously you're going to have to focus on stopping the run that week. Um, Which in plays prime into time. The Giants hands. So that's <laughs> kind of what they do. Well, I mean, they do, yeah, they yeah. Stop the run. But you know what, if you can't get after the passer, see what the Browns showed you on Sunday was if you can't rush the passer, they they're perfectly willing to let Baker Mayfield sit back there, take his time, find open guys and kill you with his arms. So um, they're going to have to make sure and, uh, and get somebody off the edge to move him around too. But that's two weeks from now. Yeah. So a lot can happen in two weeks in this league. A lot can happen. No doubt. I mean, you never know. Miles Garrett didn't play at one point. And so the giants have an emergency list of players like practicing in a separate group for the, because this is 2020. And this is a COVID. Yeah, I was going to say that's the other thing, right? Any given week, you could like out of nowhere. I mean, the Broncos had to play without a quarterback. Like, <laughs> that is, there's no way to predict any of this. Yeah, but that, you know, that sums it up pretty good, right there. Right. <laughs> so we'll see. But no, I mean, they're in it. They got a shot, and they got as good a shot as anybody. I mean, you know, look, I was thinking, oh, they're in good shape. Uh, but then Washington goes and beats Pittsburgh. So it's like, wait a minute, we're watching parallel storylines here because yeah, uh, everything yeah. we're saying about the Giants, I'm sure they're saying about Washington down there. Yeah. No Antonio Gibson for Washington moving forward. Mm-hmm. He's a li- at least for a little bit. That turf toe is always a, a tough one, right? This is pesky yep. injury. It's, the guys tell you how much it sucks. It's just not good. So given that, given what we just talked about with the schedules, and the, the book, the, the Dan Graziano sports book would have who as your favorite to win that division right now? The NFC East. Yeah, we were talking about it on TV this morning. I said the Giants because uh, of the tiebreaker, right? I copped out. So, like, I can't pick it. So, if they if they end up tied, the Giants beat them twice. So, that yeah. gives them an edge for me. I mean, what are they – It's like having a whole full-game lead, for God's sakes. Of course, of course. I mean, but, I mean, huge. if if they go 2-2 two and two and Washington goes 3-1, and you know, then it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I mean, it's what it's amazing we're talking about this in week – 13. <laughs> yeah, 14, I mean, the Giants were 1 and 7, Dan. They were 0 and 5. I remember. I, am I, remember. I, I, I think I'm right. No team at 0 and 5 has ever made the playoffs, right? I think that's right. Uh, I think under the so, current, right? Well, the current format is brand new, but uh, right, right, right. I think, yeah, the, it was a Charger team that went 0 and 4 and made it once upon a time. And I think that Houston Houston started either 0 and 3 or 0 and 4 a couple years ago. And made yeah, they it, loved, but, one uh, of those losses for this giant, was to the Giants. 0 and 5. That was yeah, the that, Giants' crazy. first win of the year. They both went in there. I think they're both 0 and 3. Or 0-2 when we were talking about whoever loses this game is pretty much their season's over. Nope. Yeah. Houston came back yeah. and made the playoffs. Turned so, out hey, the team that won the game. Yeah. I'm curious. So you travel to Seattle. As somebody who, yeah. and I'm sure most people are probably in the same boat as me, get, drive me through what it's like to travel these days. What's a oh, long uh, cross-country trip to Seattle like? Yeah, that that was the length of the flight was weird. Before that, I, the only flights I had taken were to Buffalo and Indianapolis. So those are shorter. Um, the airport. So you're masked up, crowded. normal masked up, like yep. just one yep. mask, normal mask. Yep. You make um, sure you have a heavy duty mask. Is is it crowded? I'm wearing my ESPN Disney issued, you know, face covering. That's that's what I got. So. Okay. Um, 
Uh, it's not crowded at the airport. I was a little concerned when I went to Indianapolis, it was the week before Thanksgiving and I thought maybe, but I didn't detect a major issue at that airport. Uh, that was LaGuardia. This week was JFK. No, I mean, you get through security pretty quick. Um, and then you, you know, in the waiting area, the seats are marked where you can and can't sit. If you want to get something to eat at the airport, you know, there's limited availability. A lot of stuff's closed down. Uh, and then if you do want to sit somewhere, the tables are spaced and you try and get one out in the open as opposed to kind of inside the thing. And then when you get on the plane, you know, they're, they're, they're very, I've flown JetBlue and I've flown Delta and they're both very serious about the masks. They're, they're not selling middle seats. Like the plane I took to Indy was two seats on each side of the plane. And so there's no middle seats, but they didn't sell any aisle seats on the left side. So if you wanted to make sure you had space between you and somebody else, you just book a middle a window seat on that side. So, but if you're on um, the other side, you got, you got a person next to you? But that's for uh, if you're traveling with somebody, right? So oh. like you and your wife are flying somewhere yeah, yeah. together, you can sit next to each other. Gotcha. So that's, so that's what that's for. And, and uh, you know, they're very, I mean, the mask has to be on unless you are actively eating or drinking, the mask has to be on. They, they're handing out, wipes and hand sanitizer you know they're they're telling you about how much they've cleaned the plane there's information about the air filtration system on airplanes that you can you can read i heard about that. You, it, can you tell it's yeah. different the air situation no, i don't I, I i don't think it is i think what they're saying is it's always been like this on airplanes like the air filter i mean again i'm not an expert but it seems to me that the, the the way air is filtered on an airplane, they're saying, has always been kind of safe in terms of germs and that kind of thing, which makes sense, really. I mean, you don't want, I mean, even before this hit, you don't want like the, the airplanes to be petri dishes. Yeah, well, I always talk uh, about for, it. You hate that the guy that sneezes on the plane in the first place, yeah. you look at them immediately. And this was oh, pre COVID. Like, the guy yeah. is an alien. Like, I, and I, 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 that, that air in that plane always makes me sneeze. And then the people, I can tell people are like stink eyeing me the second, the second I sneeze. Yeah. You don't want to be doing it now, especially that's for sure. Did anybody I sneeze on the plane? I don't, not that I recall. No. And, I, and we didn't have any <laughs> sneeze or cough. Somebody, I would totally just be staring yeah. that person down for like the next two hours. And we didn't have any issue where there was like a fight over a mask. I've heard stories about that, but I haven't seen it up close. So, you know, it's straight and you know, the hotels are empty. Right. <laughs> like right. it's just it's weird. You don't you don't go out to eat on the road. You order DoorDash or whatever and meet the guy at the at the hotel lobby and do you and, Uber uh, or do you rent your own car no, so you don't have I've, to worry about I've the rented Uber. a car everywhere. I have not Uber and this is like in India I would never rent a car. In Seattle yeah. I would never rent a car, but I did. Um so yeah, I, I figure that's it's better to just have the one car than be in and out of like six or seven in the course of three days, two days. Oh no, so, hey, I'm all for you. Definitely I'm weird. On that one. It sounds awfully strange. Though. Yeah, it is. I mean, what isn't right now? I mean, when right? you walk I mean, in like the airport, you're... I get. I, I'd be the guy who's like planning. Like, you know how like you're planning your route in your head so you don't have to go mm-hmm. by other people. Yep. Like I, I would yeah. totally be that guy walking as far as, and, and I'm not like crazy with this, but that's a heavily heavily congested place, an airport. Well, like you get on an elevator at a hotel, and it says like only two people, you know, or 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 a, or one traveling party this together. So I'm on the elevator and the door opens up and like four people get in. I'm like, guys, you can't not, didn't you read the sign? So like, <laughs> I'll get out of the elevator and wait for the next one. And then they give me a funny look, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's, I, I mean, I'm the way I'm looking at it is like the vaccine news is encouraging. It seems like we're a few months away from the end of this. 
uh, we've made it this far. I've made it this far, knock on wood, without getting sick. I'm, I'm going to be hyper careful. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but hey, if I can, and for the courtesy of other people around me, I'm going to take yeah. the precautions necessary and just, you know, we just hopefully just get through this or get through this winter. We should really should yeah. be living in like Arizona or Florida then. <laughs> Really that's should. where I'm going this week. I'm heading to Tampa this week for that there game. Uh, Although I don't Vikings, know if that's so. much better. You, no. You're never going to want to leave your house down there either. So No. Who knows? No. Crazy yep. world. We're living in a crazy 2020 season. Dan Graziano, though, we appreciate you stopping by always. Thank you very much. It is my pleasure. Talk to you later. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ah, yes. It's time for your favorite segment of this podcast and something I call Giants After Dark, where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions. We'll start with Elijah Mendez at The Prophet. HXT. Do you think the Giants are going to give Leonard Williams the big payday he's going to ask for? And do you think he will live up to the big payday or was this just an out, a outlier for his career year? Uh, yeah, I think Leonard Williams basically has played himself into a deal. Uh, the Giants are essentially going to have to pay him. Uh, they, it's not like, can, they, can this Giants team really allow a, a guy who can actually rush the passer to leave at this point? I mean, it's not like they have a ton of other options as, as, as pass rushers. So I do think Leonard Williams has worked himself into a good deal. I do think the Giants uh, essentially have backed themselves into a corner and are going to have to pay him. Just listen to think for a second. I know everybody's like, see, the Leonard Williams trade, great trade. We gave up a th- third and a fifth, big deal. No, no. The whole concept was they didn't have to trade anything for Leonard Williams. It was never about Leonard Williams, the player. It was about... You didn't have to trade. He was about to be a free agent. So you could have signed Leonard Williams. You could have overpaid him in free agency last year. And if you were so convinced he was this player that he's turning out to be. And they're right about that. And they deserve credit. Dave Gettleman deserves credit for being right about that. But you could have signed him in free agency. Given him $14 million in free agency, which was more than anybody I spoke to thought he was going to get or was worth in free agency. Instead, then you had to give him the franchise tag. You gave up assets, which is... Crazy to think about for a free agent. Think about that. No team gives up assets to pick up a guy two months before they're about to become free agents. And there's a reason for that. You could sign him or an equivalent guy in free agency. All that'll cost you at that point is money without the picks. So instead, they sign him. They get backed into a corner. Okay, we're not going to let... I mean, they traded for him. You're not going to let him go. So now he's making $16 million on the franchise tag. And now he outplays the franchise tag. So now he's going to get... 16, 16 million plus. That's the that's his basement. That's his that's his floor. It's set for him. His floor was set. His bargaining position was set. So the Giants kind of backed themselves into a bad spot here. They got a good player though. So in the end, it's only the money. I mean, a few draft picks. Uh, 
I'm just I just don't like the concept behind it. That that's always what bothered me. But yes, back to the original question. Uh, I do see them signing him. I, it's hard. They want to trust me. There's been conversations that have been that have uh, been had. Maybe not uh, with exact offers, but it's been clear that they made it clear that they want to bring him the player back. At Jonathan at Jonathan George at Jonna George says, in all the time you covered the Giants, this is the most excitement energy you felt from the organization. Uh, and like I said before, I'm probably going to go back to that 2016 season. I just think that was a, probably a better team. Uh, they, actually, they did have problems offensively too, but they had Odell at the time. If this team had Saquon, I think you like you you had you knew that Giants team was legit, like that they could beat good teams. That they, that team had potential to do some damage in the playoffs, even though they were kind of big underdogs against that Packers team. And then we all know that uh, boat trip, how that went down. But I don't know. Still, to me, the 2016 season, they had signed all those guys in free agency. They looked to be moving in the right direction. Everything was going well. And then all of a sudden, it just fell apart. But at the time, I think 2016 was a little more than this. This is like bigger picture. This is probably better because that was them trying to slap it together late in Eli's career. Uh, this is more like, okay, we're building something from the ground up, but, uh, so better long-term now. Yes. Better short, you know, short-term at the moment was probably 2016, that whole season at Timmy Joyner. He has a, uh, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version of this. Two questions for you. Giants make the playoffs, knock, knock that after wild card. Where do you see them drafting and what position is still of need? And do you see your player of value, value, value being there? Uh, yeah. The thing is, they're going to be drafting in the middle of the first round now, middle, bottom of the first round, you know, like in the, the 20 range if they make the playoffs or whatever it is, somewhere in the 16, 18, 20 range. Uh, but, hey, they got to get defensive playmakers still. You know, Saquon's going to come back. Uh, I guess wide receiver could be a position also. Uh, edge rusher, of course, we know. I mean, it, they have some flexibility. Uh, so I think, to me, those are their positions in the need. But, again, you don't want to force it. They could use a defensive playmaker, uh, especially a pass rusher, at basically any level, any level. So, I mean, you could see them taking a cornerback too. I mean, they they have plenty of needs. And that's not a problem. And no question part part two of that still need an edge rusher or two to take the next step. Any free agent come to mind for next season uh, that the Giants can afford? I mean, yeah, Bud Dupree just tore his knee, so that was the one to me that stuck out. But hey, uh, so it's not going to be a great group great pass rushers don't hit the market so get be prepared for that as always it's hard to get a a top top edge rusher uh in that that route so uh at dj simmy one says who is ultimately responsible for finding joe judge is it dg and kevin abrams who brought him to ownership attention or ownership finding about out about him from belichick and saban i don't know anything for sure but i will say this Usually, from what I know about how they operate, is ownership is the one that's doing most of the. And John Mara has like a you know keeps a list of guys when it comes to the coaching decision. This is like a level above the front office, so I would lean towards saying this is probably John Mara and Steve Tisch and Steve Circles and uh, in, in league circles hearing about Joe Judge, and then or you know Bill Belichick suggesting him to John Mara. Like, I don't think Dave Gettleman is 
talking to Bill Belichick too regularly or Kevin Abrams. I I, I don't know. It, it's all guesswork, but that that would be my guess. So uh, at G man says obviously the G, GM and head coach work in tandem. But how much of this year's success, specifically the free agent signings and draft class, was Judge's influence more than DG? Seems interesting. DG made bad moves for two years, but 2020 roster additions are looking pretty good. Look, you got to give them both credit. I've been a, a big critic of Dave Gettleman. I don't like his uh, philosophy. We've talked about this before and the way he approaches some of these moves. But you got to give him credit as well. I, you got to give both of them credit. I know Joe Judge looked at the roster and said, oh, my God, we need depth. We don't need to be spending big money on guys. And I think that was huge because it got him off going for, like, the real top, top of the market guys. Maybe even got him off going for Jadavian Clowney, which turned out to be the right move. I think the injury part of it was the biggest thing on him is that it was a risk because he had knee problems. And, look, he has knee problems again. So, but, yeah, I think both of the those guys deserve credit. Uh, but this offseason – Looks like a win for the Giants right now. Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, win-win. Two big wins for this team, the biggest ones that they had. So uh, those two in particular, you look at it and say those were the right moves. Uh, but more than the moves, it's they're getting the most out of guys who, honestly, I don't see them being long-term starters in this league. I, they're just get, coaching the heck out of this team. But everybody deserves credit for getting better. Now, we're still not at the point where this is a great team. I think. When you look at the roster overall, and I know I spoke to someone from another team after they watched that game on Sunday, and they still think the Giants roster is severely deficient in comparison to Seattle. They thought Seattle has way more talent, but the Giants, the comment to me was, wow, that's a hell of a coach team. That team is really well coached. So I think to me, the credit belongs, goes a little more to the coaching staff, but you got to give that front office, Dave Gettleman and his crew, uh, a lot of credit too. Here, Fishy, with an extra Y at the end, says, how many creams are in the perfect coffee? Uh, no way, it's six. Yeah, that's a playoff. Uh, I was at Dunkin' Donuts going through the drive-thru this morning. I got my window down. I hear the car in front of me. Yeah, I'll take a, a coffee. Six creams. Six. Six. I mean, where I live, we call that chocolate milk, right? I mean, come on. Six creams. At least it was large, but still. I mean, and come on. Who, drink, who could drink six creams? Coffee already is basically a diuretic. It makes you run to the bathroom, right? Imagine drinking six creams. Maybe that was four. Maybe, maybe, maybe they need to loosen the bowels. So they just say, hey, hey, I need get me a coffee. Uh, throw in six creams there. Now, I learned recently, you know, when you when you go to the, the app and you start ordering from the app all the time, you, you learn, okay, a regular, I get cream and sugar. You learn the, the regular amount is three sugars in a, in a medium, I think. Three sugars and three creams. It's like, holy cow, that is a lot. So I, to me, and I still like my coffee light in general, I go down to two and two, like two creams. And that's still pretty light coffee. I can't imagine what six is like. Six creams. I mean, come on, six creams? That's just a crazy amount. I mean, I, I can't imagine what that person's stomach is like afterwards. Six creams! <laughs> uh, last question, Rich and NJ says, assuming they keep both, who are they more likely to keep in the offseason, uh, Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson? Thanks for the question, Rich. Last question here. It's got to be Leonard Williams. I love Dalvin Tomlinson. Good, solid player, but pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. I mean, that's what it's all about. To beat these good teams, to beat these great quarterbacks, if you want to be a serious contender, that's what you got to do, right? I mean, who think about who 
who were the best teams in the NFC, right? It's New Orleans, who's at Drew Brees for 100 years. Granted, he's at the back, that back end of his career. Taysom Hill's playing now. But you're going to have to beat Drew Brees right now, at least this year. You have to beat Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, the, I guess the, the Rams are pretty good, but they're not. I don't know. Nobody's. I, I don't think anyone thinks the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. But, like, you know, Tom Brady, the Bucs are struggling. But th- these are the teams. So they all have at least a good quarterback. You gotta pressure that quarterback. You have to. So you gotta. The, to me, the, the the rusher is more important than the guy, the good solid player who's more of a run stuffer. So, uh, if, if you have had to, cho- I want both back. And the Giants have the money; they should be able to bring both back. But if I had to choose one, I'm going Leonard Williams. And with that, that's the end of Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, we'll wrap this up quickly. I'll give you a little Jordan on the beat, a little prediction, and we'll get out of here. I don't don't have much on Jordan on a beat this week, but... uh, Sticking with this uh, bathroom theme, theme, I guess, I, I will tell you what. So the media room is closed now at the Giants facility because they have moved, I, I believe, a, a tech department in there. You know, this the COVID year is crazy, whatever. So we're basically 100% out of your car. I know you've heard me talk about that plenty. and uh, But at least I, I used to go in, mask up, go in, and use the bathroom inside. But now I can't even do that. So they put a porta potty out in the parking lot where, you know, the parking lot is the same one where the Giants do their testing. So but it's like in the corner. I don't even know most people know it's there. So I drive an hour back and forth pretty much from uh, my house to the facility most days, you know, three days a week when the Giant, whenever the Giants practice. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And this has become like my, I basically have my own personal porta potty. I, I don't think anyone else uses it. So that's the only saving grace is you got to use the porta potty because, hey, you know, I drink my morning coffee, too, and I got to pee. You know, I'm an old man. I'm like one of those guys, you know, you wake up nowadays, he can't can't sleep a whole night through. He's got to, or at least when he, the second he wakes up, well, he's got, I got to pee so bad because I'm old. You're a prostate. This is what happens. You, you get old, you, you have to pee a lot when you go to sleep. You can't, can't get through the whole night. So I'm getting there. I'm, I'm at that point in my life where we're having, I was living in Philadelphia and commuting to uh, MetLife Stadium. I, I had to, like, stop and pee all the time at the rest stops. Here, at least this year, I'm subjected to my own personal porta potty, essentially, in the parking lot at Quest Diagnostics Training Guy Diagnostics Training Center. So I'm not sure if that's much of a story, but it's all I got for you. I have my own personal porta potty. I think it's only saving grace. It's not like disgusting. At one point, at the beginning of training camp, you know, there's porta potties all throughout the Giants Stadium parking lot. So I was like, I don't want to go into these uh, into the facility. Because of COVID, like, what's the use? What's the point? There's a whole bunch of people in there, the writers in the media room. I'll just go to one of the porta potties. And even though there's nothing going on at Giant at MetLife Stadium these days, 
holy cow, I tried to go into one of the porta potties in like the parking lot that's like in the middle. I, it was holy cow. It was disgusting. I mean, I needed to disinfect my everything, take my clothes off when I got home, burned them, threw them out, scrubbed myself with a Brillo pad and like bleach like 10 hours afterwards. Not really, but I don't know. I don't know why I said bleach either. Anyway, this has gone completely off the rails. I am going to pick the New York Giants this week. I haven't picked the Giants against the, I guess they're not a winning team, right? The Cardinals right now. But against a, a decent team, good team, in a long time. Actually, I picked them in the opener, beat the Steelers. I was wrong on that one. I was too early. Too early on the Giants. They, I thought they were going to peak earlier. No, it took later. But I'm taking the Giants in this one. They're, they're two and a half point dogs still. To an Arizona team that's struggling. When I watch, I've watched a bunch of Cardinal games lately. Kyler Murray looks like he's banged up to me. I know he denies, keeps denying his shoulder's fine, his shoulder's fine. No, he's not willing to run it. He's not willing to even take any sort of hit. He's not throwing the ball with the same zip or throwing it downfield like he was. Sorry, I just don't see it. Giants 26, Cardinals 23. They confuse Kyler Murray enough, get an uneven game. Daniel Jones comes back, plays, plays well, throws three touchdown passes for the first time in a game this season. And the Giants win. 26 to 23. That defense plays another solid game. Patrick Graham dials up another good one. The Giants are getting it done. I'm picking them to win, for God's sakes. Against a decent, good team. Bizarro world we're living in right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, subscribe, like, tell your friends about this podcast. Reach out to me. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email. You know how to reach me. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.